Hi everybody, welcome back to Feedback Loop. I'm Joey. And I'm Jeremy. And this week we're capping off a riveting five-week run of folk <laughs> punk uh, with, uh, with ramshackle glories, Live the Dream. And, uh, you know, it's a very dear, near and dear album to me. And Jeremy's listened to it this past week, so pray for him. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey. This is this is the third Pat the Money album, so it's kind of like it's it's both the end of our folk punk trip, but also the end of our uh, Pat the Bunny trilogy, I suppose for now. Which is it's exciting. It's 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 fun getting <laughs> getting to know how these albums have helped shape you into the the person you are today that is hosting this this podcast at this time yeah it's like just i don't know getting to listen to these three albums i mean really all five are good albums but listening to these three albums in specific have just been it's been a treat this past few weeks yeah and like because i mean i listen to them all the time but at this point it's also they're kind of just music that i put on because Mm -hmm. they're they're a lot of time it's background i've been getting to like really take time like i used to with the albums and it's been nice yeah it's it's been fun i'll say i'll say that much at the very <laughs> least it's 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 interesting to like kind of see the evolution of, of pat the bunny but also to like learn how how much of an impact it's had on you and and whatnot i i have a feeling i have a sneaking suspicion that this episode is going to be long uh, well, so if, if you guys are not into long episodes, uh, you probably already see that this is a long episode if it is, or I'm lying and we're going to blaze through it. But based on what I've heard from Joseph, Sir, Sir Joseph, the first that, uh, this, this, this might be a bit long. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we should go ahead and get onto the first song then. Ah, <laughs> yes, there it is. Track number one, aptly titled first song. Yeah, because it's the first song. And also, just, I'm going to start with some background information. This, I think it's also called First Song because this is like the first song he wrote once he kind of started to get clean. So it's like, not only is it the first song on the album, it's the first song of like a new chapter of his life, I guess. Yeah, it's like him getting off of the horse and hopping on a moped or something. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I don't think I can see this guy riding a moped. I mean, maybe. Who knows? Although, he talks about driving trucks at some point, so. It's true. (laughs) So, just to be clear, on on YouTube Music, at least, all of the the songs have in parentheses live beside Mm -hmm. them is is that just because there's only a live recording of this album i I just felt like it was weird that they called it out in the metadata yeah it's kind of weird and that's how it is everywhere like that's i think that's just how it is on the album because so there's live the dream and there's die the nightmare Mm -hmm. and live the dream is with the band and most of the recordings i mean i guess they're you can consider them live because i don't think they do a whole lot of like editing or anything so i guess maybe that's where they're coming from but then there's also on Die the Nightmare, it's essentially just this album, but it's just Pat playing by himself. So gotcha. he's doing like a solo thing. And then there's also another album called The Volatile Utopian Real Estate Market. And that's, I think it, it's also another like, I guess, solo rendition of this album as well with some other tracks added on. So I guess they did live just to kind of differentiate between the several different versions, maybe. Interesting. Uh, so this one, it, the first song, it, it starts off <clears throat> with with him saying, 
okay, it's been a long, hard day. And then he kind of gets into it and it's, it's really folksy. Yeah. Like he, he leans hard into it. It's almost kind of got, got this bluegrass vibe. There's some violin, some banjo, some accordion, the piano. It's just, it, it feels very bluegrassy. There's even a backup singer it seems, or a female vocalist that accompanies him on some of these tracks, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Um, there, there's some very interesting, I guess, post effects used in, in some of these songs, like in this one where he says, but so far that's impossible. There's this kind of echo yeah, in it, but it feels like a pretty like low budget echo effect kind of thing. <laughs> like instead of using an echo effect, you just like copy and pasted the clip a couple times or something and, and quiet it or something, which it works. I mean, it, it keeps the kind of raw punk feel, I guess, of, of the album. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty like smooth folksy, folksy jam song. And that kind of sets the tone for most of this album. Yeah, we we kind of went from the very core with with our Pat the Bunny arc. We kind of went from the very core of like the punk part of folk do it yourself punk mm-hmm. to a middle ground with Wingnut Dishwashers Union, and now we're just pretty much straight up folk with like a punk attitude behind it. I guess. Yeah, it's very Which, it's very very much on the more calm side. Yeah, he, he's made, grow, I mean, he's growing as a person. Yeah. Right? Everyone jokes that like older people don't like angry music, and they're not. They kind of like mellow out, and so it, it kind of like reflects that as well. I think. Yeah, I mean, he was shit. He was like early twenties, late teens when he did Johnny Hobo, and now he. By the time this album came out, I think he was mid thirties, just mm-hmm. almost thirty five. So, like, yeah, there's there's a pretty big difference in him making his music, and he's he moved to Tucson. For this, like, not for this album, but as a way to kind of get a good restart on his life. So he's kind of in a different crowd, too. So maybe that influenced it a little bit. That's very fair. And, and I think that's kind of touched on in the song lyrically. It's, it's straight up like a rehab song yeah. for, for Pat. And I, I really appreciate that to, like, start off the final chapter of this this five week tour that we've we've been having just it's just like a nice like refreshing kind of way to end things i think this whole album is kind of in that vein um but the song to me seemed like he was kind of trying to integrate into quote-unquote normal society where he like mentions he's been paying us rent on time and he's he's living in the middle of nowhere and and maybe like a small community and just kind of like focusing on himself and trying to rebuild who he is as he's kind of coming off of the heels of who he was, I suppose he, he kind of like, he mentions that he's been dreaming for most of his life and he implies that he isn't like sure that he's, he's woken up from it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Meaning that he's, he's starting to realize how unlikely it is. At least the way I took it was like, he's starting to realize that his, his anarchistic utopia kind of thing was just a dream. And it's not something that's probably going to happen. And then he, he quickly follows that sentiment up by saying nothing's been quite the same since you shot yourself, which is a pretty, pretty, a pretty big downer coming off of that, I think. And he he talks about someone being a ghost and this is what I messaged you about earlier today. I wasn't sure if this was a metaphor for him, like killing the old Pat, the bunny and wanting to find that kind of spark to kind of guide him back to his old ways so he's kind of like looking for an excuse to go back to the way he was or if he's literally just talking about somebody that died potentially causing him to like 
rethink the way he's been living, which does come up later in the album. Yeah, I was getting it confused. Sorry about that. Whenever you asked her earlier, uh, no, you you answered the question. Oh, okay. I, I, for for context, I asked Joey. I and maybe this is, this is just because I've changed a little bit of how I've been listening to these albums. But there were there was a specific section of lyrics that I related this to, and I wasn't sure if it was on one of his past albums that we had discussed mm. or if it was on this album. And that was my question to Joey, and he mailed the track that I was looking for. So. Well, cool. So I didn't misunderstand it. That's nice. Correct. <laughs> uh, and this song, he has like Pat's talked about a lot of this, a lot of this music, and in the timeline, this one is it's a good one to start the album, but it technically chronologically comes like midway through this album's timeline. I guess like the next songs kind of start from before he moved and made all these like choices and everything kind of like leading up to it. And this was kind of like a midpoint to, to end the album, but like, yeah. So I think chronologically this would be a little bit, I don't know, maybe, but yeah, he does talk about like, I think the nothing's been quite the same since you shot yourself was like specifically talking about someone who probably didn't get out of the life that Mm -hmm. he was in. And I did, I did find it kind of, I guess, cool that he was talking about he's been dreaming like forever. And that's kind of how you were describing a lot of that utopia and everything. Right. Like just, it was a good through line and yeah, man, like he's this song. It's just the first time I heard it was huge because I was still very much like a, in my own head, fuck everybody. Like I, I was, I was still the lashing out type of person. Mm -hmm. And then he comes out with this album and part of me, I didn't want to reject it, I guess. And it's not, I just wasn't quite there yet personally, but I think seeing him write something like this, especially the part where, I mean, he's talking about, I've been making strange friends, friends in the desert they love jesus and america too it ain't as bad as it sounds someday i'll explain it to you and i just talking about getting out seeing people that i mean like from the previous songs and albums and stuff you can pretty much tell that he doesn't he's an atheist or doesn't believe in a god Mm -hmm. organized religion and he's not too fond of america but him talking about like going somewhere new meeting people with opposing views and kind of just like being chill about it as opposed to the burn it all fuck everything blow it up type shit that you would hear previously like where he's just like yeah we're all different it's not it's not so bad and i mean i think here specifically he's talking about like aa because he does reference like going to meetings and stuff several times so i'm guessing that's what he's talking about here but i don't know i've been to several aa meetings and this kind of, I guess, put it in perspective because I was also the type of person to be like, fuck this. It's, I don't, I don't care. Like whatever. It's, it's all dumb. Yeah. But I don't know. Hearing somebody who I know used to think that turn around kind of made me think like this is doable, I guess. Yeah. And it's interesting. So I I don't know your necessarily exactly like your relationship with Pat the bunny and, and when you discovered him on your journey, but to see someone or to hear someone, I guess, that you look up to and, and that you kind of 
that that helped shape some of your worldviews start to change their worldviews i feel like that's got to be like kind of scary in ways and kind of empowering in others where it's just like wait a minute he's like alienating me but maybe maybe there's something to what he's saying even if it is so different than what i'm used to yeah and i think a part of that too i mean because he's always been kind of tongue-in-cheek and yeah like about even the views whenever you could tell he really like meant it or at least thought he meant it and everything like so maybe yeah, he, he's I, I've said many times in the past couple of weeks that it, it definitely seems like he's self-aware uh, of his views. And, and like you said, he's he's he, he's very much open to like criticizing himself for some of the views that he holds. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It, this song was really just kind of like a big a kicker the first time I heard it. And still, every time I hear it, I like this is one of those albums that I kind of just have to listen to the whole album. Because as soon as I hear it, I'm just ready to listen to the rest of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of refreshing to hear something that that's so not just like anarchy, fuck the system things. And you don't want to hear more about alcohol, alcoholism. You just want to like you, you're ready to, to experience the end point, the changing point in, in Pat's discography. Yeah, some would say I'm ready to listen to track number two, more about alcoholism. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> we're killing it. killing it two songs and we're already getting cocky. <laughs> nice. Get ready for the fall, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming any day now. This one, uh, it has a full-on like drum kit in it, which is nice. It doesn't have like a super high production value on the drums or anything, so it still kind of sounds a bit muffled and lo-fi, and maybe that's kind of what they were going for. And just, I don't know, this is the point where I noticed like the mixing on, on this album <laughs> is kind of weird. There, there's yeah. a lot of like, it's it's very unpolished, I suppose, but it still strangely has a lot of like quality elements to it. It's just, the the balancing of it all, I think, is kind of kind of off on this album. Which uh, it's not not necessarily a complaint. It's just an oddity that kind of gives gives it its own character, I suppose. Yeah, it's like they spent all their budget on record, like microphones or something, and they were like, <laughs> yeah. "We want really crisp sound, but nothing's gonna be leveled correctly." And like, there's times where you can just kind of hear background shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I had never because I mean, I used to just usually listen to this song in the car, and I've previously in the past had not as good headphones as I currently have, or I'm usually doing something else. But whenever I'm really paying attention, there's, there were several times listening to this album where I was like, is there just like a clicking in the background? Or yeah. Just like, <laughs> just like, What's happening? Yeah. There's definitely some like, I mean, I guess that's why the, we mentioned that the tracks all say live by them. And, and there's this kind of like live element to it and that they're all probably just playing in the same room or playing adjacent to each other, I suppose. And it, it leads to some, some interesting quirks. I suppose of it. I still don't really like Pat's voice uh, at at this point, but in this song specifically, I think it really fits well with the the chaotic energy of the music, Uh, the bass in in this song and really throughout this album stands out to me a lot as something that's kind of been lacking in the other albums that we've discussed. And it, 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 it kind of feels like a natural progression of the production, I suppose, where there's, there's a full band here as opposed to just him and a guitar and maybe one or two other like instruments sprinkled in where it feels like there, this is more of like a refined pop like product, I suppose. Yeah. I, I really like the bass, like the bass lines on a few of them. It's, 
it makes me wonder why it wasn't there in the past. Honestly, yeah. whenever I hear whenever I hear it, <laughs> and I mean, this is like we said, it's the sound of this album is a lot different. Just in yeah. general, this sounds like I would honestly put this with other folk albums if I was going to classify it. But it's like this. This is what like I like about folk music, and just like I don't know how to describe it. I feel like folk and punk, like. People are out there hearing like folk punk, and they're like, "What? That's like that doesn't those like that's weird that they would be together or something like." That's usually the reaction that I at least used to get whenever I would talk about music like this. But I feel like the ethos behind it is a lot of the same. Like they're kind of there's a lot of folk music that you think of like Bob Dylan or like Pete Seeger, or just like Woody Guthrie or people like that for back in the day, where it's like they're the counterculture. They're going against yeah the man and then you have punk which is essentially the same thing just louder and with distortion (laughs) and so i i feel like it's a good mix and i don't i i feel like it just works really well like pat's punk aesthetic and sound that he has with his voice and with just kind of how he is works really well with the more folksy thing yeah he does do a lot of like cleaner vocals so on this album. So I kind of expected the same criticisms, I guess, from like wingnut dishwashers union, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, feel I, like I he... don't, I don't harp on it nearly as much. On the <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he refined his voice a little bit, but it's still like, there's yeah. definitely some times where you can still hear like a voice crack in, in there or like, he's not quite hitting something or it's kind of, I, I do agree. I do think his voice is better on this album overall than on the wingnut dishwashers album. Uh, at some points in this album, maybe even I praise his vocals, but, <gasps> but we'll we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> Lyrically, uh, this one, track number two, it, it seems to be more reflective or critical of his past life of being this kind of like reckless alcoholic asshole that just kind of hates everything and hates everyone kind of thing. I like a lot of the individual lines of the song and really throughout this album, his lyric is is pretty great. I like it, but his delivery, especially on uh, there's a section where he says, oh, shit, I wish I had a job to quit. I wish I had a boss I could tell the fuck off. Give me satisfaction of a dramatic exit and not just a long car ride and a short goodbye in a parking lot. That really stood out to me because I think that like just that section kind of boils down his past experiences and how he just wanted so hard to rebel against things without necessarily having a reason other than the satisfaction of rebellion. And instead of really like having that satisfaction, he was just riding around wasted and high. And then he'd just end up in the same place he started, which was the, the parking lot, the, the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The parking lot. Um, but ma- yeah, you hit it. Like, I love the lyrics on this whole album. This song, the song is uh, cr- chronologically the first one. It's kind of like, I think this song is as he's realizing who he is is i guess he's kind of having the the thoughts that like shit i'm this person and i mean there's like definitely themes of like a defeatist mindset where he's thinking i don't know like i swear on my last cigarette that i love you my darling i'd love you if i could but since the day i was born it's been too late for me to be anything but what i am tonight and what i am is drunk what i am is mean in your passenger seat where he's talking about like I don't know, like my whole life has culminated for me to be this person. And I I don't think I can be anyone else. I don't think I'm meant to be anyone else. And it's 
but he's realizing that like something's got to change in in this and maybe it's a little bit before he realizes that whenever this song is set but i just i don't know i like the realization in this song because i felt like the person in this song and it's nice to have that uh that out of body experience where you're realizing the like, kind of reality check. Yeah. You're like, I can't be this person. <laughs> like, yeah. It's that's not, not, it's not sustainable. <laughs> yeah. It's not sustainable. It's not good for anybody. Like it's just, it's, it's pointless really. Yeah. It's, it's got this, this, like you said, this kind of like nihilistic defeatist kind of perception where he, he says, I finally love you enough to stay enough to stay away kind of thing. So it's realizing that like, look, I'm a shitty person. And I think the best thing I can do for people is to stay away because at, at the end of the day, like I'm not going to change and eventually I'm going to die because we're all compost and training. You know, we're all, we're all just going to rot away in the ground. And, and the best thing I can do is to not be around you when that happens. Hell yeah. Track number three, we're all compost and training. <laughs> Side note, one of my favorite song titles. <laughs> it's, it's a good, it's a good song title. I just love it so much. And just, to go with the song because so more about alcoholism is kind of more it's a I guess you could say on the punkier side of what yes. this album gets to and then this one scales it completely back to like a slow folksy banjo intro yeah where it just kind of I don't know it's it's I don't want to say ballady because it's not but it's it's just slower and more emotional kind of there's an accordion that comes in to accompany it it's like a slow jam where it's really, I guess, more about the vocals and the lyrics yeah. than anything. I definitely agree. And there's actually some, there's like a brass section in this one as well that kind of comes in between some of the verses for just, just a little accent, a little teaser of some trumpets, perhaps. Hell yeah, that, the that trumpets later. <laughs> trumpets yeah, are just so good. It's so like, this album specifically is way more like progressive, I think, musically than the other two albums we listened to by Pad the money because there's so much depth there's so many different instruments and it it all kind of like flows better i suppose than just like a bunch of guys just jamming together which obviously nothing's wrong with that but it it feels like a more polished product as a whole i think because of just the different instrumentation and how it's used yeah it makes me because i mean i know i guess that they have like practiced these songs a lot together but i definitely feel that where it's like what I liked about some of the other albums is that it totally just feels like you could have just been at a party and yeah. it's like, Hey, you know how to play this. We all know how to play these instruments. Let's just fucking jam. Like, yeah. let's just write some songs and play some songs. And this is like, it has a purpose, I guess. Yeah. Which is maybe also representative of Pat's Pat's mindset coming into this where like the, the song at least lyrically seems to be like the, the moment of clarity that we kind of hinted at in in the last track where this is like, he's, he's realizing that his old habits aren't really helping anyone or anything. And he, he didn't really have a goal or a purpose in his actions outside of just existing in some state of anarchy. Uh, I really like the, the section again, towards the end of the song, maybe it's just a theme with me liking the way he insults. (laughs) He says, uh, and if freedom is doing what I want, well, that means I got to know, what is wait did i that's wrong caught me that right well no genius is just wrong right there so if he copied it from genius it it forgets the word that 
Yes. So he says, and, and if freedom is, is doing what I want, well, that means I got to know what that is, not just what it isn't. So I'll dig up the dirt and I'll throw down some seeds because the world needs more spinach, not more motherfuckers like me. And that to me is like, he he's, he's realizing that he was kind of aimless before in all of his anger and rage and, and again, being against the man that he didn't really like, he didn't have an idea of what he actually wanted. He only knew what he didn't want. And what he didn't want was structured government, I suppose. So it's kind of refreshing from me who's been complaining this whole journey about people not really having a reason to rebel other than just to rebel that he's kind of, he's seeing that he's kind of like, he, he's ready to participate in making something positive out of it. And in this case, he, he's planting spinach because spinach is, is what the world needs. Yeah, spinach is good, man. All you people out there, don't sleep on spinach. Yeah, go watch some literally, Popeye. <laughs> literally or figuratively, don't sleep on spinach. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you can sleep on spinach as a, as a nice little pillow every now. Yeah, and but then. it would kill the spinach. Like, well, it would be... I mean, you, presumably you would have already picked the spinach if you were sleeping on it. You're not going to go sleep well, like a live spinach plant, perhaps. Yeah, but then would you, you wouldn't be able to eat it? Yeah, if you but slept I mean, on it. If, I, if if you're sleeping on a floor, you know, yeah, that's might as well. Not throw some spinach under your head <laughs> i guess that's true um but i'm glad you pointed out that line because that line has been like huge in my life that if freedom is doing what i want then i gotta know what that is not just what it isn't like yeah the first time i heard that i was because i was just coasting through life essentially mm-hmm. at that point and it's like thinking you're free because you, you do all this shit you do you're getting high all the time you're doing exactly what you want all the time and you're living your life and whatever, and you're you're thinking that's freedom, but that's not freedom. Just railing against the irons, railing against the man, isn't freedom. Like just coasting isn't freedom. It's not doing anything for yourself. It's yeah. maybe doing what you want in the moment, but you're still at the mercy of your vices. Like he talks yeah, about, and, in and the your very entire existence is based on something else, someone else, something apart from you. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I love the way he starts the song with, I want freedom, not a boss that comes in a 40 ounce bottle yeah. of anything. Like where he's just like, been, he's like, I've been spending so much time going against the man that I, I had all these vices that I'm now being led around by. Are, I'm now at the mercy of, and I'm not free. Freedom is making a choice for yourself and realizing that while it will take work to put in, it's it's worth it because in the end you will have your freedom and along the way you still have your freedom because you have made the conscious decision to do it it's making a decision for yourself not letting something else lead you around amen (laughs) and (laughs) i definitely agree one other thing that i saw i i didn't know and i saw today that made me just so happy so he's got a line in here just I fucking love the every every line in this song, but he talks about like I'm just gonna read it because it's just fucking great. So uh, the line is: I eat meat and drive trucks and shoot guns and don't trust in the federal government to solve our solve all our problems. You might think I'm joking, but I'm not a Republican. Call me when your president pulls out of Afghanistan because that's the day I'll get a cell phone number and you can call and leave the best message on voicemail that day. So like just the whole. First, he's playing with like, I mean, 
talking about how like the typical Republican tropes, like yeah, you're eating meat. I'm driving trucks. I'm a man. I shoot guns and like whatever. Like I, if Second Amendment, if the government tries to take away my guns, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight them, and it's <laughs> gonna be a civil war, like yeah. that type of deal. But that's just like. Just because you do all those things doesn't make you instantly believe in a Republican mindset. It just means that you eat meat, you drive trucks, and you yeah. don't view guns as a bad thing. But the pro- the part that I was surprised by was, so he says, call me when your president pulls out of Afghanistan because that's the day I'll get a cell phone number. He apparently held true to his promise. Oh yeah, I was going to ask about that. <laughs> Uh, I I saw a picture of a tweet. It's from February 29th, 2020. I guess we pulled out of Afghanistan then. It just says, a promise is a promise, and then has an actual phone number. <laughs> so That's awesome. It was just like something cool to see because, I don't know. It was, it's yeah, because I mean, it, it gives some integrity to what, what he's saying yeah. in the songs. And granted, like, obviously he has changed a lot over the past decade or two. And obviously he's still allowed to change and not necessarily agree with things that he even said on this album. So like, I'm not saying that he has to uphold that promise kind of a thing, but I, I agree. It, it's a nice touch. Super cool. Super cool. It gives, uh, it gives meaning to the, the song. Yeah. It really makes him the type of person that I would follow from here to utopia, whatever oh, utopia yeah. he's dreaming of, which is which probably talked about in the next track of the album which is conveniently called from here to utopia with a subtitle song for the desperate yeah this one starts like a a three song run of song for the blank but... i gotta i gotta tell you i really mm-hmm. i really like this song fuck both, yes both dude musically and lyrically <sighs> uh also it's the longest uh i think this might be the longest pat the bunny track we've talked about i think across it is. all three albums it's a pretty long song but uh, yeah, this one, it has a bit of a darker tone musically from the other like bluegrassy folksy tracks. And it almost has this kind of like cabaret feel mm-hmm. to me. There's definitely more progression to this song than in a lot of his other songs. And I think that kind of stems from, again, having an actual band to support him instead of just the guitar where there's a lot more like depth to it. There's even like a guitar solo section and there's a bridge and then there's this really sweet like post-chorus kind of thing that happens that builds up some energy before the the musical outro and another like solo section it's just like musically all around there's a lot going on in this track which is refreshing from having prior four weeks of folk punk just being kind of like not really samey necessarily but simple yeah yeah there's there's definitely a lot of stuff going on musically it, at least changing i mean you wouldn't hear it and be like the technical wizardry yeah no yeah <laughs> i would not consider this like a prog rock song yeah but relative to his other stuff it's it's very progressive yeah this definitely feels like the big song whenever taken into context i guess of of the whole story of it of just the arc of pat the bunny in general which i keep saying pat the bunny and i mean he writes all these songs mm-hmm. but Definitely shout out to all of the musicians for sure that are with him. Like accordion who I believe she's also the backup singer, Nikki Berger and piano. Wyndham Maxwell. I, I shouted out an album or yeah, an album last week. I think about one that Pat the bunny did with somebody else about being like a preacher and the devil in a Southern 
town or something. Wyndham mm-hmm. Maxwell, he's the other guy on that album. It's just them two. And uh, that's my weekly other wreck. <laughs> it's it's called Big Swamp Gospel. Everybody go listen to it. And it's Hell really yeah. good. But uh, yeah, just a lot of other good musicians really stepping it up and bringing to life this extremely powerful song. I agree completely. It's, Hell it's, yeah. it's a long song. It's a big song. It's, it's, got, a, it's got a lot of sound. I wrote a lot of notes. For, for, the, for the lyrics and by that i mean i just i copy and pasted several different stanzas of, of lyrics Hell in yeah. this one uh so generally though like similar to the previous track this one seems to maybe take place with pat being at, at some party getting high and drunk and, and hanging out with quote-unquote like-minded people on the surface having this this kind of complete and honest drive to tear down the man but on the inside he's kind of he's starting to doubt what he's saying and what he's doing. And he's, he's kind of realizing that his, his anger and his rage has been kind of like empty and meaningless. And that's not really the best way to bring about change. Right. He's, he's been having all of these, these actions, right. Where he, he, or words, I suppose, where he's going out to places and being like, yeah, fuck the man. Let's all get drunk and high and, and talk about that shit. But this is where he's like starting to really doubt it and starting to like second guess what he's doing. God, dude, this whole fucking, like I essentially just, this is where earlier I messaged you and I was like, you're going to have to like hold me accountable (laughs) because I was just copy. I was just writing like elaborations on every single lyric. Yeah. It was just like, I I wanted to, I, I realized that that was going to happen. So I didn't, elaborate on a lot of the lyrics with my own thoughts but there are sections i I might as well read them i mean it's a long song yeah but so there there are sections of lyrics that i liked for example the the first one i called out is he says i'm too hopeless to look for a solution i'm afraid that if i found one i'd be out of excuses for the way i waste away in the gutters that i chose which i think that stands stands by itself very well I think it, that that just nails it for me. Then later on, he he's quoting somebody else that's talking to him, and he says, he said, you think no one's going to stop you from dying young and miserable. You're right. If you want something better, you got to put that shit aside, which obviously had a big impact on him and probably informed a lot about this change. And I think that's a very great quote as well. Uh, also shouted out that he says, now I'm not saying that we can't change the world because everybody does at least a bit of that, but I won't shit myself. The way I'm living is a temper tantrum and I need something else to stay alive, which again, just, just great, great lyricism Hell yeah. all around. And it's, it's again, it's really diving into that self-reflective where he's realizing that what he's doing isn't sustainable. And then the last section of lyrics that I called out, he says, I know it's hard to give a shit sometimes, but promise me we'll always try because I don't want to hate you. And I don't want to hate me and I don't want to have to hate everything anymore, which is just, it's beautiful. It really, this song is like, this is what I I have been railing about for the past, you know, four weeks and just the change that I would like to have seen in Pat the Bunny. And here it is. God, like, it's just, it is so good. Like in maybe some of this is bias on my part, but like, I just feel like, this this song this whole album but this song specifically just like all the all the parts you pointed out are just like the perfect way to sum up personal change and 
I think even invite it in other people because he's not even necessarily like he's still holding to his guns. Like he's still mm-hmm. he's not saying like we shouldn't try to change anything. He's not saying I've been completely wrong this whole time. He's been saying this whole situation that we've gotten ourselves in isn't doing anything and we're just kind of destroying ourselves for yeah. for nothing aimlessly. And that's not going to do anything. He's like, we need to break out of that. And if we want to have any change, we need to actually do something that will bring about change. But just getting drunk and high and not like, isn't going to do anything. Like the fucking, the third verse where he's talking about, I've seen the best minds of my generation dying drunk or high from the rooftops to the parking lots or stomped to death in West Philadelphian squats where he's just talking about like, yeah, these are some great people, but they're not doing anything. Like they're, we sit here and we talk about like all these great things, but they're just dying from addiction, from any like from just nonsense. Yeah, and things then, that they theoretically can control. Yeah, and then he goes on. They've got me waiting on a day when we can say fuck the police with a little bit of integrity. When it'll mean I've got your back if you've got mine. Like that right there, I feel like sums up the whole. You gotta like think about what you're saying because you can just rail against the man say fuck the man fuck the police like but that doesn't mean anything yeah it's gotta mean something there's gotta be like something behind it and if you want to have any integrity it's gotta end up meaning like okay well we not just fuck the police we want a we want a place where we can at least do something like I've got your back. If you've got mine is a much better, is a much better sentiment than just yeah. fuck yelling, fuck the police with nothing behind it. Like, I agree completely. <laughs> oh God. It's just it's a great song. Yeah. We could, All the way we, through. Could, we could go on forever <laughs> and ever. I do want to point out one other thing that it just hits me hard. Cause it's, it's a, it's a, I guess a point that I've had. So the second, verse where he's talking about he's been listening to minor threat records all day which minor threat is a band they're like a pretty i guess a a pretty hard punk band from Mm. like the 80s and he's uh talking about knowing every word he's then goes on to describe he's singing along as he ties off like starts to he's about to shoot heroin and then he goes and Ian screams, he, he's out of step. As I throw the cotton into the spoon, draw up into the syringe, I'll know just what he means until I hit a vein. So Ian McKay, the singer, vocalist for uh, Minor Threat, he was the first straight-edge person, really. And he kind of had the same thoughts that, like, look, we're all in this punk scene, but we're all just getting fucked up and not doing anything. We're all just killing ourselves. Yeah, And it's pointless. So he kind of the straight edge movement was about that, like keeping your brain clean and your body clean. So you can actually affect change. <laughs> yeah. But uh, instead of just numbing yourself to it all, which is essentially yeah. like shooting up heroin getting drunk all the time. Like you're, you're not, you're not fixing anything. You're just numbing yourself to the world as it is because you don't like it. Yeah. And I mean, like I can understand the sentiment behind that, but yeah, it, ju- it doesn't get you anywhere. Like, cause he goes on, the rest of that verse is describing like why he's doing it. But after that, I won't have to bother with knowing who I am for a while. At least in mm-hmm. a moment, the whole world is going to melt around me and I'll swear. I don't miss it. 
as I lie to you tonight, because the lying is kind of a theme throughout yeah. here where he's talking about in the first verse, he's like, won't you tell me what we want something more than just more beer? And if that's not true, just lie to like, won't you yeah. lie to me tonight? Cause but, he, he, this is him at the, the height of just like, just being intoxicated all the time and, and not really wanting anything out of it. Just, just wanting to be angry, I suppose, without actually wanting a better solution kind of a thing, which is, is a theme that he fortunately seems to have kicked. Yeah, man. If, if it's just so great, like if I were listening to this song out on the road, I'd just keep listening to it over and over again. And I'd be, I'd just never be coming home ever. Wow. You could probably sing a song for the guilty about that one. <laughs> Track number five, never coming home. Oh song my God. For the guilty. I didn't know how we were going to break out of that, but, I'm <laughs> but you did it. You did it, man. <laughs> We're getting there. This one it, it slows things down a lot, and kind of goes to like a kind of like a slow soft waltz deal, which is it's kind of it's kind of fun, it's kind of different, stands out a bit. Uh, at this point, I noted that like I think I might be over his voice at this point, but I really mm-hmm. don't like the mixing and recording method used because like I don't know I feel like in a lot of places it's kind of echoey and you can almost like hear the the booth or or whatever like sound treatment he has going on while he's singing like it, it's bouncing off of like a, a backdrop or something and, and back into the mic which kind of makes it, it i don't know it, it sounds weird to me and not like nearly as polished as the rest of the production would kind of feel yeah it's weird like his vocals are they always sound like filtered or yeah echoey and not in like a reverb way yeah it is just like a an echoey way like which i mean lends itself to the diy feel mm-hmm. but what like you said whenever the rest of the instruments are crisp Very clean yeah and clean <laughs> it's it's kind of a weird like i don't get off put by it but i can definitely see like it's it's something that even i notice yeah so but i do like the trumpet that comes in here that's just kind of a i just like the trumpet anywhere it comes in on this album but <laughs> yeah. it, it helps the kind of I guess sad feeling of this this song. I agree. Uh, lyrically, I feel like this one's written. This one I wasn't sure how how the whole like the death and because the themes of death and and ghost kind of come up a couple times throughout this album, and so I wasn't sure. I felt like this one was maybe written from the perspective of a friend that overdosed or something, with the setting being down south in a desert, which matches that of first song would also match the kind of ghost theming as well in first song. So like I was thinking maybe Pat moved down South to be near his friend and party with them, but then his friend overdosed and, and the song is kind of describing that situation. Then I was like, well, it's also possible that maybe this person is somebody that Pat felt guilty for, which is alluded to in the song title and, and the verse where he says forgiveness from those that we hurt in this world never was guaranteed. And so maybe like Pat got, felt responsible or got him like hooked on heroin or something. And that's why when he did inevitably overdose, it kind of affected Pat in the way it was. Yeah. I definitely think, cause there is a lot of guilt. Like he's in, I, if you want to do some homework, there's a lot of other albums by Pat the Bunny <laughs> where he talks about stuff like that. This song specifically, he has talked about it being, he is the, the the ghost person gotcha. he's he's the shitty person but 
that's not to say that you're necessarily wrong in him feeling those feelings. And I'm sure that just comes through whenever he's writing this because yeah, like it's not just you doing shitty things and it affecting other people. It's you getting other people to also do shitty things that then affect the people that they love or can even affect you. It can come back to bite you in the ass whenever maybe you get better and that other person hasn't or just never will because mm-hmm. they're they're going to die. But yeah, this song, it's just generally about regret, knowing that there's some things that you can't come back from. There's some things that you can't make up for. And that's just kind of how it is whenever you live the life that he lived and make the choices that he made. Which most of which were not, not great. Yeah. In in the context of his life, I suppose, where it seems like he's making better choices now, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a changed, changed man. He's like, I'm pretty, he's, I'm pretty sure he started doing shows again, but yeah, in 2016, he kind of retired because he was just like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily on board with the whole, like every, I don't necessarily, I don't really believe in my beliefs don't line up with, I guess, this scene anymore. So he he kind of, he got to a point where he realized that he was kind of just being, being a parasite living off of other people. And he's like, you know what? Like, that's not, that's not, that's not the real intention behind punk and the the punk movement right it's not it's not just being a vampire because vampires are just posers you know yeah and they're all anything they're just living off of someone else yeah and they need to write songs for the living and that's also track (laughs) number number six hell yeah (laughs) song for vampires or posers song for the living i fucking love this song so you can go ahead and say whatever you're gonna say about (laughs) it (laughs) good i i didn't i didn't write a lot of notes for this one uh this one, it kind of goes back to the more rocky sound. It's got some more distorted guitar and upbeat drums than a lot of the bluegrassy stuff on the album. There's this kind of cool beatboxy breakdown section in it that I really enjoy, and I like his vocals over it. The like the vocal melody that goes over that kind of beatbox section is kind of cool. And then the trumpets really, really almost push the song in like a ska punk direction. Yep. And I'm I'm totally down for it. Hell yeah, I'm all for the trumpets. And as soon as you said the beatboxy, like now that's just going to be stuck in my head. Just because, <laughs> yeah. God, it's just so good. But it, it's an yeah. interesting decision. It is an interesting decision and it works. Like, I feel like there's, I don't know, they he, that usually tends to be what happened. Like something just changes entirely. Like the, it, everything changes up. Most of his songs are, pretty samey i guess throughout but then Mm -hmm. the ones that do change up really stand out i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah but lyrically this song is god dude it just (laughs) (laughs) it just hit me i mean I, i i keep saying this over and over again but it just hit me the chorus hit me so hard whenever i heard it the first time where the chorus is so i won't but we shall overcome someday. I can't do it alone, but I shall be free someday. I don't know how to live, but I'm sick of learning how to die. Vampirism is for posers in junior high. But that I don't know how to live, but I'm sick of learning how to die is like, I don't know, a point that you just hit where you're just like, I'm, f- I'm fed up. Like, I'm done. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I know that whatever I'm doing right now 
is not what it should be. Yeah, especially living the way he was living around a lot of like drug acts and stuff. I'm sure he's seen a fair share of his friends die. Yeah, and he's. I mean, he talks about it throughout this album, just like knowing people that have have died, like you mentioned in the other one, where there were there were great people, the greatest minds of his generation or whatever, that had died because they were addicted to drugs and they couldn't get off of it. And, and it's kind of like it's it's eye opening, right? Seeing all of the people you care about start to die because of the lifestyle that they choose, which is also the lifestyle that you've been choosing kind of realizing maybe maybe there's something here that i shouldn't be doing if i want to live but that's another thing that i think is a big theme is him making that decision where as previously it was maybe like i don't care if i live or die this album kind of marks the point where he's like you know what fuck that i do want to live i don't want to die because of the drugs that i'm addicted to so i'm going to make a better decision and and try to improve my living conditions (sighs) What a choice too. Like it's and I know it seems like the natural choice, but it's it's hard to make sometimes. Oh, agreed. Addiction is is a hell of a thing. <laughs> it's not something that you can just choose to quit most of the time. And even without addiction, it's hard to choose to live. Like Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, that's it, it reminds me that quote of I'm sick of learning how to die or I don't know how to live, but I'm sick of learning how to die to me maybe it's just because of the time period it, it reminds me of porter robinson's nurture where mm-hmm. the last song is trying to feel alive and it, it's even without the drugs and stuff like you were saying like it, it's hard to kind of overcome general depression and and decide that you want to make something of your life especially if you've been you know quote-unquote coasting right just kind of like existing being content to to make the decision to be more to be happy to want to do things instead of just sit around and let life happen to you it's it's hard yeah it is really hard like there's ballots and barricades everywhere trying to prevent you from living the life that you want <laughs> but you got to just break through them break through straight to track number seven of ballots and barricades man speaking so going back to shitty metadata that i had the fir- the first download i ever downloaded of this album somebody made a made a big typo and this song was called of hallets and hurricanes and <laughs> i just took even i just took it at face value and i was like that's weird hallets <laughs> and hurricanes all right <laughs> maybe, but yeah maybe there's some symbolism to the letter h that he <laughs> yeah. or maybe it's just kind of close to the letter b on the keyboard <laughs> yeah strange to make that twice we were actually talking about that earlier today but that's yeah that's neither here nor there <laughs> yeah typing is hard guys but <laughs> yes. brains are weird of Ballads and Barricades, it's track number seven. This one most resembles, I think, the older Pat the Bunny stuff that we've listened mm-hmm. to. It's got like a prominent acoustic guitar, and the only other real instrumentation is the accordion that comes in, just to, to spice it up a little bit, <laughs> I suppose. But uh, even his vocals on this one sound more like his older, angrier kind of stuff, so I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I I totally like the vibe of it, just kind of how it's in the middle of the newer sound. And going into the lyrics, because there's not too much musically to say, but I like that. I like the direction he takes with the lyrics here. So he's, he's getting political again with Mm -hmm. this, this song, but he does it in a way that he's almost like advocating to kind of go within the realms of this, like the system. Like he's talking about like voting and stuff. I mean, he starts it 
I got Arizona residency one day too late to vote on this election day. And every year before I've been too drunk to register, then I'd say, I don't believe it anyway, which kind of like he, right there, he's poking at himself where he's like, yeah. in the past, I just would get too drunk, couldn't even vote. And then I would just write it off as I don't, I don't believe it. But then he goes on to just straight up say, there's no ballot we can cast to set us free. But there's no brick we can throw that will in poverty and we yeah. can't blow up SB 1070 talking about like you can only physically change so much. You can't physically change a law or physically fix systemic economic issues. You can't you can only do that through at least somewhat going through the proper channels of voting and getting politicians that will maybe pass laws that you like it, as long as there is a government that's kind of the best way to fight those issues. Yeah. It's it's interesting because he kind of also contradicts that a little bit. I first off, I I do agree with that. I mean, that's kind of what I was harping on back in on the Johnny Hobo album where he's he's talking about like destruction and and and, and I kind of mentioned that, that that doesn't really do anything. Throwing a brick through somebody's window just pisses them off. It's not going to change anything. And he's directly acknowledging that, it seems. But he also kind of contradicts that whole sentiment a little bit. So he says at the end, so vote, uh, so vote November 2nd, if it seems right to you or don't vote. If you think it just holds us down, just tell me what we're going to do on November 3rd to make sure there's no government left to elect two years from now. So it's kind of like he is in a way, I suppose, encouraging people to vote, but it's also more just like, I don't care how we get there. I I don't believe in, in, I don't believe that I should tell you to vote because the system is fucked and I don't blame you for not wanting to vote because it's, it's a shitty system kind of thing. I just really, what I care about is making things happen in order to assure that we don't have to do this again, kind of a thing, just to, to get rid of the government in two years. So if, if election is the way we do it, let's elect someone who's going to get rid of it kind of a thing. Yeah. See, I, I agree that it's kind of contradictory. The way that I've taken it, at least at times, is where he's saying, or don't vote if you think it just holds us down. Then he says, just tell me what we're going to do on November 3rd to make sure there's no government left to, to elect two years from now. Mm-hmm. Was kind of like, to me, an invitation to be like, okay, if we're not voting, then then tell me what the plan is. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're not going to vote, tell me, what, tell me what the other option is. Yeah, regardless but, of who gets elected. Yeah, just just let's let's get something together to to deal with it. Yeah, which I mean, yeah, the whole not having a government thing, I I can get behind ideas of it definitely. Like to dismiss, I don't think you can really have a society at large to to have absolutely no governing body of yeah. any kind. But I definitely uh would advocate for more power in the people's hands. I agree. Then, then, I, uh... <laughs> I also have another complaint with the lyrics of the, this album. Go for it. And it's it's not necessarily like the, the hypocrisy, the, the contradicting himself or anything. But he, he says at some point, since there have been laws, there have been criminals. There have been thieves since, there, since there's been property. And I just, I don't know, something about that irks me a little bit because it kind <laughs> of implies that laws created crime and theft only happens because people own things which is technically true but the alternative would be that the crimes would still exist they they would just be quote-unquote legal right and nobody would have anything for their own if they didn't have any property which 
it, it doesn't fix the issue, right? Those things, theft would still exist. Criminals would still exist. They just wouldn't be illegal, quote unquote. See, so how I've taken that is laws are kind of not necessarily arbitrary, but a little exclusionary. Like somebody sure. is setting somebody is setting the laws who has their version of what they think is right. Yeah. And then there's people who may not agree with that and they're just doing things. They're living their lives. But the laws that are put in place by the people who don't necessarily agree with the way that person's living their life makes that person a criminal is how I've taken yeah. it. Not necessarily I think that's the- fair. Maybe, maybe I was too literal with my interpretation of it, which is, is a flaw that I think I have in general is <laughs> taking things too literal, which is maybe why I've never been a lyrics guy. But well, I, I think maybe. that's fair. And then the thieves, there have been thieves since there's been property. How I have always thought of that is that like, so of course, saying that like, if I, if I have a TV and saying that there wouldn't have been a thief if I didn't necessarily claim this TV as my own, mm-hmm. then they're being like, oh, there wouldn't be thieves if I had never owned the TV or something. But like, I think of it more as thieving for survival, perhaps. Yeah. And like, if people had enough, kind of everybody had enough to exist, mm-hmm. then not necessarily that there wouldn't be people trying to steal, but it's like, I don't know. We take, I think of more like time theft from a job or like people with excess. If people didn't have excess property, then there wouldn't, I don't know, people claiming things that shouldn't necessarily be theirs. And then people trying to take it back because they're like, no, I were like, I don't know. It'd be like if, if an Amazon worker was like, you know what, Jeff Bezos, I, uh, today I scanned 8,000 packages or something. And I know how much money that earned you. So I'm just going to take that from you Mm -hmm. because I earned it. I earned it for you. And well, I didn't earn it for you, but I, I'm the one who did that work. So I'm going to take it back kind of like, it shouldn't have necessarily all been his Jeff Bezos's right. in the first place. So he's trying to just take it back, which it kind of goes back to the, the property is robbery thing, yeah, which I still haven't looked into. I need to make it yeah. up to actually do that. <laughs> and there's also, uh, apparently there's more to that quote, which I saw earlier, but didn't keep like it was like property is robbery property is freedom and property is there was another one that kind of all went together but i don't necessarily remember where i saw that but apparently just property is robbery is not the entire quote yeah i I figured that was the case but yeah (laughs) i just i feel like that sentiment is i mean a it's communism right i mean yeah which is i'm not going to discuss neither here if (laughs) if it's a good or a bad thing like there there are pros and cons of everything i think but I don't know. It just it to my literal brain saying that like if we didn't have property, then theft would go away. It was just like it was kind of like a red flag that kind of irked me. It's just like that's not that's not true because then if we couldn't own anything, then why would we work for anything? Why would we do anything? Like I I guess it's going back to that anarchistic utopia that I don't think can be obtained where everyone has enough that that way they don't feel the urge to take from somebody else but but then nobody is really claiming anything and nobody feels responsible to or or driven to do things to achieve things right because i mean it's maybe it's it's the american scheme right is 
we're, we're capitalists and, and we put a lot of value in the things we own. So maybe there's a bit of brainwashing going on for me, but like w- without that, if, if the world was in a perfect state of harmony and, and utopia to where we didn't need money, we didn't need things then like what would our what would we do <laughs> like we we would just exist and we wouldn't want things i suppose and that feels bad to me well you know what maybe you're just a bitter old man jeremy i am definitely <laughs> a bitter old man and i'm definitely going to try, try to talk about track number 8 bitter old man next hell yeah i fucking love this song too man like shit dude but uh, this one starts out slow again with the full band, banjo, accordion, guitar, bass, and all. Uh, throughout most of the song, nothing really changes up too much. But then near the end, the music kind of picks up, gets a little bit faster and more punky, and the vocals get a little bit harsher, and it kind of ends on a, on a, I guess, not necessarily more upbeat note, but a higher tempo note where it's like, there's more energy here. Yeah, it's more rocky. Yeah. I agree. I, I did not say anything further than what you have said on, yeah. on the music. Yeah, but what about the lyrics? Because, <laughs> because this you're a one, lyrics man now. Yeah. I kind of feel like this one kind of goes full circle with with Pat, where he's he's wanting to return. The way I took it is that he's, he's kind of wanting to return to the naive optimism of his kind of like past anarchistic views. But the, the difference being now he's a little bit less cynical about it he's ready to accept that living a more quote-unquote normal life isn't as awful as he used to believe it would be but i I don't know it felt interesting that he was kind of like i mean maybe maybe it was just him like still believing in the core of anarchy and and like he kind of mentioned the last song where he's he's finding ways to live a balance between the two of acknowledging that he still wants this anarchistic utopia but he acknowledges that he has to kind of deal with the system that's already in place in order to, to survive, I guess, in a sustainable way. Yeah. Is this one, I mean, it starts off. Yeah. Talking about, which I didn't even know. Apparently in Catalonia in 1936, there was a, a a Spanish civil war where before that, I guess anarchists just ran part of Spain and then there was a civil war where like fascists took over or something. And that's kind of where it starts, where he's talking about, he was born a bitter old man who was still resentful that the anarchists lost in mm-hmm. 1936. And, but the, the main reason I like this song is just uh, the, the young association that he has like yeah. in the chorus where he's talking about, I always wanted to die young. Now I feel younger every day and I just hope I die younger than I am where he's talking about like, I don't know when he was a kid, he was just like, fuck it. I'm going to live fast, die young, like very much had that lifestyle. But now that he's actually trying to better his life, he's like, I feel better than I ever have. And I I feel younger. And now I hope I just keep feeling younger until I die instead of he still wants to die young, but just not of old. He wants to die young at old age. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of an interesting double meaning where he's like, he, he's, it's him acknowledging that he doesn't actually just want to die anymore, right? Where he, he, he always wanted to die young and he's feeling younger every day, 
but he he's hoping to die younger. So if he's progressively getting younger, theoretically, as time goes on, <laughs> then he's pretty much saying like, I hope I, I die in the future. I don't want to yeah. die anymore. I want to die some point in the future where I've, I'm going to continue to get young and I'm going to get younger and younger and younger and younger and younger for the rest of my life. And I want it pretty much to me, it seemed like he was saying, I want to die of old age kind of thing by saying that he hopes to die younger than he is, which is kind of a fun uh, contradiction, I suppose. Yeah. And it's something that he kind of did in from here to utopia where he's talking about when I was young, I drank too much and I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel so goddamn young tonight. Yeah. Which I feel like was, is a cool setup because in that instance, he's talking about young being like drunk and super fucked up and he's still in that mindset. And now he's like, no young means healthy. It's <laughs> healthy and good and it feels nice. And I, I want that for the rest of my life. Yeah. You, you can, you can feel healthy and, and you can feel your heart, you know, beating inside of you. Yeah, and did you know your heart is a muscle the size of your fist? I, I did not know that, but I did know that that fact is the title of track number nine. Your heart is a muscle the size of your fist. <laughs> exactly. That was an alley I set you up for it. I hoped you would take it, and you did. <laughs> this one, uh, I didn't have a lot of notes on the music, but uh, it has some very solid progression to it. There's a definite change of tone and, and mood throughout of it. And it kind of like feels optimistic in ways that, that are a little unexpected. Yeah. This, I, mean, this I guess one not, is not unexpected as in the progression of, of this album's lyrical content clearly seems to be going in that way, but musically it, it felt more optimistic than a lot of his other music. Yeah. It, and, and the overall scheme of Pat the bunny that you've heard, it's probably pretty unexpected to hear. That. Yeah an optimist like a fully optimistic which i mean i guess i can't say fully optimistic there's bittersweet moments i guess is yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not all like sunshine and rainbows but for sure for sure so uh, so dahlia the first friend that he recognizes in this i'm kind of just skipping the music because yeah it's it's cool music but it's the, it's the more bluegrassy worth, worth talking yeah. about more um but dahlia dahlia uh she made i guess a poster a print of your heart is a muscle the size of your fist keep on loving keep fighting which is like the chorus of this song which is just a really i feel i would recommend this song to anybody who bar one verse anybody (laughs) who's going through some hard shit and just kind of needs a needs a different outlook i guess needs to it because it is optimistic mm-hmm. at times and i feel like it does a really good job of like relating and pat the bunny is a guy who can relate to i would imagine most negative emotions that people would be feeling um but yeah this song it's just such a good feeling to hear like pat talking about his friends who are still with him and who they went on to do great things yeah they went on to do good things and it's like He's just trying to be better where he's talking about in never coming home. He's talking about all the regrets that he has that of the shit that he can't make back up to people because he's done bad shit in the past. And this one is like, he's talking about really dedicating himself to positive change. The people that he holds close to him and and acknowledging that he needs to fight to keep moving forward and bettering himself. Just not only for his benefit, but also for the people around him, I guess. Yeah, it's a very, very wholesome 
song except for the the one section that is kind of out of place i suppose in the context of the song but maybe not in the context of the album i think uh i also i really like the, the chorus and, and the title of of saying your heart is a muscle the size of your fist because it to me at least within the context of this album is kind of symbolic of the the capability or the capacity i suppose to love being equal to the capacity for violence and hatred kind of a thing because a fist is a symbol for like rebellion and and, and fighting kind of a thing and, and heart obviously being a symbol of, of love and compassion and happiness and, and stuff like that so it's kind of a, a fun contrast but also kind of tying them together and saying that like you, you gotta keep, you gotta find the balance between the two instead of just railing hard with your fists and not really having the heart for it which is I, th- I think that that balance is something that Pat is trying to find throughout this album. Yeah, and I think he's he's getting there. It's this is just kind of a generally I mean there's definitely parts that aren't hopeful, I guess, but mm-hmm. overall, I think this is a good maybe redemption album, which is kind of why I put it at the end of this arc, even though I know there's like this album came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. Pat was still making music up until 2016. He's even had some solo albums where he's talked more about these issues, but I felt like this was a good cap because it was kind of like, it was it, it, in a movie of Pat the Bunny's life, I yeah. feel like this would be the climax part where he's like, okay, he's turning a new leaf and shit's going to be better from now on. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I do like your choice in doing so. I think this was a very great journey. Not that we're at the end of it just yet. But I, I noted that, like, uh, at least from a lyrical standpoint, I feel like this is the best possible ending track for the album. This is not the the last track of the <laughs> album, to be clear. But I, I felt like this this is like this is the the good end credits scene yeah. for the movie. Uh, with first song part two being on next track, it, it felt more like an epilogue as well. But it also kind of all all ties back in. But uh, yeah, the one part of the song that we we haven't mentioned directly that we've been kind of te- teetering around is the second verse he uh amidst talking about his his friends and the positive things that they've done he starts the second verse saying ian built a cabin in the woods to live in for years terrifying noises kept him up at night with a 12 gauge under his pillow he's living in boston now uh going to art school i forgive him i forgive him hell i'll admit it, i'm proud of him that's not the verse I thought it was. <laughs> but, but it's an it, it goes to show how he's talking about his friends and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um where where is it? Somewhere in here he it's, talks it's Chuck. It's the third the third verse. I found it. The he talks about Chuck, which was his friend, that came over to his house. He said he needed somebody to take care of his pets because he was going out of town. I asked him where, and he said New Mexico. I asked if I could get a ride. He said, No, you don't want to follow me where it is I'm going which is the lyric that I was asking Joey about earlier in in the day, because that stood out to me, I guess, when I was listening to it. But it goes on to say that was the last time we saw him because he drove straight to his parents' cabin and put a bullet in his head, which obviously not the best uh, way, best inclusion, I suppose. But maybe, maybe it was intentional because he talks up all of his friends and he says, yeah, like they're, they're doing great things with their lives. And then it kind of the last friend that he talks about is is one that maybe didn't get out of whatever rut that they were all in together. Maybe he, he 
he didn't give himself the chance to thrive and maybe this encouraged pat to kind of change the person who he was and i was kind of wondering if chuck was the person that i was referring to earlier in the album with the whole the ghost person kind of a thing that, that we talked about because i mean driving to new mexico new mexico is a pretty like barren deserty state and yeah. if if pat the bunny was kind of moving to like a deserty state with nothing but sand around then the new mexico would kind of fit in this was before i realized or before i knew that he moved to tucson which also makes sense for for a deserty thing but it, it kind of like it felt like chuck was maybe the breaking point where yeah. he's seeing all of his friends doing good things and then he sees chuck kill himself and and that's kind of like eye-opening in ways saying like i have a choice to make i can either end up like chuck or i can end up like the rest of my friends and actually do something with my life and i'm glad he chose uh the one to keep keep fighting me too um, if if you are again I, I i don't hate that we that we do this i hate that we always end up talking about suicide on the podcast i guess but a, again if you have any of those thoughts if, if you think your life can't get better a this song is a great example of how it can I mean, if, if someone like Pat the Bunny was able to change his life so drastically and, and be proud of his friends for, for thriving, you can do the same. If you, if you absolutely don't have anyone you can talk to about this, give a call to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-8255. They will talk to you. They'll hopefully be able to help you rationalize what you're feeling, which isn't an easy thing to do, but it is possible and, and good things can come from that. Great things can come from uh, from continuing fighting because it is a fight, but it's it's worth it. I'd say to uh, keep going because I don't know you you can never realize anything that you want to do if you stop. Like I don't know, it's yeah. There's always going to be a struggle. There's always going to be that fight, but like like Pat acknowledges throughout this album and. In, in like bitter old man, I think he, he talks about struggling and how he's still struggling, but he's not struggling and also being in prison at the same time. Whereas yeah. like, obviously like you, you, you need to, things might not always be great, but they could always be worse. And, and less you kill yourself, in which case things will never be any worse or better because that's, that's the end of your story. And that's a shitty way to go out. Yeah. Also not to abruptly change the subject, but, uh, where he's talking about, I asked him where, and he said New Mexico. Um, I've always just associated that with the New Mexico song from Johnny Hobo, because it opens up the Love Songs to the Apocalypse album, which is just the New Mexico song. And it's always made me wonder if that song was about just, I don't know, a suicidal person. Like, I don't know if New Mexico is a place, like, it's just kind of his code mm-hmm. for that. Because in that song, there's like a guy who's driving extremely drunk and fast and just living on the edge. But it's always that's just... interesting. I didn't even I didn't even make that connection. But yeah, maybe it is some some more like symbolic for him being New Mexico is just the other place. <sighs> well, you you uh already said the title of the next track. Yes, so... and also the title of the first track, the first song, part two though. This is part two, though. <laughs> Track number ten. It's the last last song, also first song, part two. Uh, this is this is the epilogue that I mentioned 
last uh in, in the prior track it starts with like a train whistle which is kind of cool and unexpected yeah. uh, which kind of ties into the whole hobo theme that he talks about throughout this album and also other albums just traveling by train and the postal system i think was mentioned that they made their own postal system using the trains but uh, uh yeah. yeah starts off with the train whistle the intro guitar and the vocals sound pretty lo-fi like they were kind of like maybe a demo or recorded live and then the rest of the song kind of starts and it kind of carries the the more produced sound as the rest of the album. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little uh, tidbit to include. And then towards the end of the song, similar to uh, which song was it? One of the songs, uh, Bitter Old Man, I think it was, had a, a kind of a big tempo shift or a, a tone shift. And it towards the end of this one, it also kind of like it shifts down and it kind of like lets the mood sink in a bit better. Yeah, it's, I, so where uh, your heart is the muscle the size of your fist, it would be a great ending. I like this one just because it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it puts a nice cap on everything where you see him, because this song is set a year after first song part one, where he's officially like gotten clean and gotten his act together. So it's kind of like at the end looking back, like, in epilogue, yeah, like, he, like, like he's, been, he's been telling the story this whole time and yeah. now we cut to present day and he's sitting on a porch telling the tale to a group of people or something and man i just this is i know i keep saying this but i just fucking love this song and it's <laughs> uh, like i don't know just even from the first verse as someone who's i have never like i've said before i've never done like super hard drugs like heroin or anything mm-hmm. but he just as a person who has been severely addicted to things in my life i understand the sentiment entirely of he's he says i took the needle out of my arm about a year ago today and every day since then i've been taking the needle out of my brain so when i'm staring down at my hands i can't explain just what it is that i'm thinking of except thank god that all my veins have to pump as my blood and it's like the thought that Addiction is something that sticks with you mm-hmm. and it really never leaves. You're all like from the moment you become addicted, then even if you get clean, you're always, you're not cured. Yeah. There's no cure for it. You're never going to necessarily wake up and not have an innate craving for what you were addicted to. It may not happen some days, but it's like for me, it's my a main thing. thing. Yeah. Like, my absolute main thing that I'd say I was like 100% extremely addicted to was cigarettes, which doesn't sound like a, it's not like I wasn't like physically addicted to like heroin or anything or pain pills really. But yeah, I mean, there were other things too, but I'd say that the main through line for me has been cigarettes. And I I think it should be treated just as well. Okay. Maybe not just as, severely but i i think that's it's a big change that's interesting over at least the course of my lifetime seeing that like in the in the 80s cigarette smoking was considered the cool thing to do and even into the 90s that kind of prevailed but i think throughout the last you know decade or two we've seen this kind of shift to where a lot of people granted a lot of people still do smoke but yeah. it's it's less glorified in at least like marketing and and you don't see as many quote unquote cool guys smoking cigarettes. Yeah. It's, it's it's not, it's not cool. It's not healthy. It's not a fun thing to do. 
And it never goes away. Like, that's the one thing. If I could go back to whatever, 14-year-old me and be like, okay, so you're going to start smoking these black and milds. I'm going to tell you at a certain point that's going to switch to cigarettes. And at a certain point, you're going to want to stop, but your body is not going to let you. (laughs) And every time you pass a gas station in a car, your, your natural reaction is going to be to turn into that gas station and buy a pack of cigarettes to smoke smoke one every time you smell it out out in the air that's immediately going to be the first thing that pops into your head every time you see see it on tv that's going to be your every time you feel a nice crisp fall breeze you're going to want to (laughs) smoke a cigarette because of how nice it feels you're gonna like it's just once you hit addiction it's never gonna leave leave you and i feel like just the opening verse to this so purely hits it where he's talking about looking down at his hands and thinking, ah, thank God, it's just my blood in there. Where at least you can look in the mirror and be like, thank God all I'm breathing is air. Or thank God, wh- whatever your addiction is. Yeah. At, at least you're, you're putting in the work and it's it's helping. If, as much of a struggle as it is, it's, go- it's a good thing that you're doing. It's a good fight that you're fighting. I agree. I also really like that opening verse. It, it stood out to me even before. That was another thing that, like, <laughs> Joey and I joked about when I was asking about lyrics, about me being a quote-unquote lyric guy now, because so many lyrics stood out from this album to me, even before sitting down to do my notes. Normally, I don't think about the lyrics. I don't really pay attention to the lyrics or definitely not, like, try to remember any lyrics, but there were several lines throughout this album that really stuck with me. Uh, even before sitting down to write them and, and that every day since then I've been taking the needle out of my brain really stuck with me and, and, and granted I haven't been quote unquote addicted to anything more severe than like caffeine so it's not nearly on the same level but I, I think it's fascinating I think it's it's good poetic work I suppose the way he phrases it man I wonder if Pat's out there writing poetry instead of music now I mean it's basically the same thing right Music I guess that's is just, true. just poetry, or I guess songwriting is just poetry with music in mind as well. Well, and then, so then the second verse, not to keep, I just looked at the time. Oh, I it's not look, we, okay. we can go as long as we fucking won. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he's, he's kind of owning up to all the shit that he's said or done in the past where he's like i've done you so much wrong i can't believe you you'd still talk to me and i say so much bullshit i can't believe that anyone around me can breathe and then i know that it's a little dramatic but the word for not changing is death so i'm getting better my friends but please don't hold your breath like he's owning up like i've made and broken so many promises in the past Mm -hmm. i've said so much shit that like there's no way that i can reasonably expect you to believe anything that i'm saying but realize now that i'm doing this for me and hopefully you can see my progress but don't i guess he doesn't even necessarily have the faith in himself to be like yeah expect this from me he's like yeah, just he, he doesn't need the pressure of people saying like waiting for him to slip up and then judging him for it kind of a thing <sighs> which is, is i think that's i think that in itself is also a theme like that's that's one of the big takeaways from the end of the song or from, from the rest of the song where it's, it seems like he's not only no longer doing heroin, but he finds comfort and faith in people. Whereas before he was more just like pessimistic and 
everybody sucks and, and hating everything where now he's like like he mentioned i think in part one of the song that that he's making friends right he he has a consistent group of people that he doesn't hate he's not stealing from them he's not using them and they're not using him and he's just kind of like he's kind of finally finding a, a place in quote-unquote society whereas previously he was he was a hobo and and very against that kind of a thing yeah it's quite the transformation and one that i'm very glad to hear and and have have not necessarily been a part of but to have it's just cool to hear it in in music yeah it's to, inspiring yeah you to get to actually realize that like no matter where you're at you can make a change for the better you can you can get out of those kind of like situations and, and those kind of ruts i suppose yeah it's very inspiring yeah um, he, he doesn't he doesn't completely change yeah who he is i mean he, he's still like he's still very much i think at heart as an anarchist and he i mean even in the song he talks about uh, he says as long as there is law peace will be a crime which obviously is a very like anarchistic view <laughs> which again i i don't necessarily condone but he's he's clearly like put a lot of more thought into his his words and wants to actually do something about it and it's a, it's a positive change thematically i like this album overall i think it's a good like happy ending to this journey that we've been going on i still i'm not like i would not consider myself a fan of folk punk music it's it's just not like a genre that <laughs> i would seek out to listen to but I think maybe, just maybe, I won't die on the inside if I hear another folk punk song out. Hell yeah. And, and I definitely have a different like perspective, I suppose, for Pat the Bunny, the and and quote unquote Joey music, where I'm I'm not as cold to it. Well, that's nice to hear. And to add an even warmer, fuzzier note to it, apparently this album was produced by Charlie Schneeweiss, who is Pat the Bunny's dad. So it's, it's cool that his redemption, not, I guess I keep saying redemption. It's not necessarily a redemption album, but the, the rehab getting, turning your life around album was produced by his dad after he kind of chose to leave home at the beginning of, I guess, all this. And now he's back produced and he even played the trumpet. So that's actually super cool. I like that. Very, <laughs> very nice, warm, fuzzy ending for sure to, to be able to have that kind of a life. And I mean, especially cause he talks about the guilt and, and in admitting that it's hard to forgive people and, and it's not required that people forgive you when he, he kind of like, he had that betrayal of his parents at the very beginning of his life, essentially. And he's like, no, nah, fuck this. I'm out. And then to come full circle and, and end up, where you're you're on such a level with your dad that he would produce an album for you and then perform on the album is it's it's really cool. Super cool. Their whole their whole family instruments. His brother Michael is in a band called well, they were called Michael Jordan Touchdown Pass, but now they are called the Sad Joys. So <laughs> they're not folk punk really. Their first album was kind of ish, but they're 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 kind of chill. Well, hell yeah. We've made it through five albums of folk punk. It was a fun journey. I thank you for, for guiding us through this and, and for giving some personal insights into it as well. I think it was, it was fun. It was, it was, yeah. a lot of, it was, I was not hating 
listening to another folk punk album every week like i was maybe worried about at the beginning or like, oh here comes another folk punk it's gonna be the same shit oh geez i'm just ready for uh paramore now (laughs) i I don't think the paramore journey is gonna live up to this honestly what like it's it's we'll we'll see when we get there okay if if we get there but but yeah it was fun before we get there though next week we're, we're getting out of this this folk punk rut journey it's not a rut that's a negative connotation we're, we're leaving folk punk behind for now at least and we're going to be talking about an album that i've not actually heard uh <laughs> called uh satana tarantula what? by by the brains the the band's called the brains uh and i saw the brains live in louisville at some point for their previous record which i was going to do i was planning on doing out in the dark or is that what it's called i don't even know something like that uh, I think it was out out in the dark was the name of their last album. And that's the one that I actually bought the CD after I saw them live. Cause I was like, this is cool. I'm into this and it's going to be spooky week soon. So <gasps> it, I think it, it'll fit in at least their other album out in the dark, uh, had a very, had a, a good Halloweeny vibe to it. I assume that this, this album will be called Satana Tarantula and have <laughs> some, some spooky vibes to it. Hell yeah. Um, and it'll be new for me. So I apologize if it sucks. And you're welcome if it doesn't suck, I guess. So uh, come back next week for that. We're going to be talking about it. If you have any final thoughts for our folk punk tour, or if you want to share how you feel about the the things we've discussed in this episode, in the last five episodes, you know, whatever, shout, shout us out in some comments, send us some, some tweeters. I know there's a lot of popular facebook posts going around and it's like hey tag an artist and and see if they respond to you if you tag feedback loop on any of those i'll I'll respond to you probably i'll respond too we'll both (laughs) respond separately but yeah stay back come back next week we're gonna be talking about the brains uh satana tarantula um and until then i suppose stay in our feedback loop bye